What up, everybody? Welcome again to another Angry Wargamer podcast. I am your host, Jason, the Angry Wargamer. And I have Drew with me tonight because Lando's snoozing again. <laughs> Can't handle them late nights. It's on him. Yeah. Well, we don't actually know what happened to him. He just kind of ghosted us right now. So, whatever. It is what it is. Any big news for you this week? Well, other than crack, other than cracking open my five uh, uh, Strixhaven commander decks, nothing much. Oh, I did manage to locate a couple more uh, of those older commander decks from last year. Oh yeah, I have a ton of them still at my Walmart, like uh, Falconrath and some of the other ones. I don't know if those are worth anything though. I haven't looked into what's in them. Um, the uh, the ones not from last year, the the ones with Andre Falconrath in it. Uh, the Savine one's worth something because it has um, Dockside Extortionist in it. For last year's ones, all of the free spells usually carry a decent price tag. The three most expensive ones, starting from the most expensive, is Fierce Guardianship. And that one's in the Gavi Nest Warden deck. Deflecting Swat is the second one. And that one's in the Kalamak the Stormsire deck. And the third one is from uh, Deadly... It has Deadly Rollick in it. And that one's in the... Um, Oh uh, God! It was in the mutate deck, oh, so and uh, the the first two were in the thirties, and then the the deadly Rollick, I think is like ten bucks. Nice. So Falcon Rat's still a good idea to pick up if I catch it again. It's uh, heavy into madness, but there's a couple cards in there that are pretty decent. Um, uh, Kirik, Son of Yogmoth, and uh, Bone Miser are pretty good. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, we're going to stop the podcast with fucking Magic the Gathering, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, I guess big news for me, I guess, is I finally got over a thousand followers on TikTok. You know, apparently, Kayla thinks I'm some sort of celebrity now. So, everything that happens to me is now content. Um, how very wrong she is. <laughs> Not everything that happens to me is content. We don't talk about my life. We talk about everybody else's bullshit. <laughs> hey, look, if you fall down the stairs, you're just as culpable as every other fat guy who falls down the stairs. Exactly. Exactly. So she's been giving me shit about that. But I don't know. We finally got the shirts in. They're really comfortable. Um, at least I got mine in. I know Lando got his in. Um, yeah, they're really good. I like them. So go check that out. Oh, another more big news too, I guess. Uh, we have a TCG player affiliate code now or affiliate link. So that's linked up on pretty much all of my social media right now. It's on the, um, the Twitter and it's on the Facebook page. And in fact, I think it's the only thing pinned to the Facebook page right now. So yeah, if you need magic cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, whatever, go use that link and uh, support the podcast. And then you get stuff in return that you already were going to buy. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. We're moving on up. Yeah, I know. Right. No, like I said before, I've like, I wanted to give back uh, something in return for supporting us. Like I didn't want to just be like, Hey, give us money and Patreon and just listen to the sweet, sweet, soothing sounds of my, my dumb voice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah 
there's that. We're get, we're getting we're we're given back by and you get something that you were already gonna get and support the podcast at the same time. There you go. Speaking and you can of, still buy us a coffee too. What? And they can still buy us a coffee too. No, I think I took that link down. Already? What the fuck, man? Yeah, I took it down because it's like it's not getting anything in return. You're not getting anything. If you buy a T-shirt, you get something. If you order your cards, you get something. <laughs> the link is still there. I still have a link for the Ko-Fi. I just took it off. <laughs> all right, all right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like that. So, all right. Where do we want to start? We got some good stuff to talk about this time. It's not going to be like the last time. Oh, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> we'll start with 40K. We'll start with that one because then I can just talk about that real quick. So um, GW has been having problems with their shipping and their fulfillment. Now, before you go blaming them on this, because they are partially responsible for switching companies during like before Christmas time. Um, it's not completely their fault. So what happened was, is they switched from, they used to go with FedEx and FedEx is in Memphis, which is where GW headquarters is located, where their big warehouse is. Now with COVID, they've had to shut down, I think two or three times. So they had fulfillment issues with that, but lately it's been shipping issues. So half the shipments are getting out. Like this weekend should have been, um, the the official release for um Bellacor, which is a demon prince and, and he got a brand new sculpt that makes him the size of like bigger than a coffee mug like he's a huge model now and pre-orders were last week so i obviously went and i pre-ordered and the way it goes is you pre-order and then the next week is the release so i should have had my model in hand this week well it's looking like next week and there is no movement on it because once you pre-order, you get sent an email saying, hey, it's being shipped to the store or being shipped to you, which never happened. So um, there's some stuff on the UPS side that UPS is doing that's kind of screwing a bunch of businesses that nobody, unless you're really paying attention, like with GW, it's more noticeable um, than, say, like Nike or Kohl's or whoever else they deliver. Um, or whatever other accounts that they have. So they've been kind of fucking up and it's making GW look bad. And GW is notorious for terrible PR and communication outside of their releases. So they have great customer service. They just terrible at PR. So if you had, if you called and complained about it, they would, I don't know, they treat you nicely, but it's kind of out of their control because they're being screwed just as much as you're being screwed. If that makes any sense. So, yeah, but you also have people out there trying to scalp permanent product. So the, when we talked about the cursed city stuff, that was a limited product. So cursed city is a limited product, but there's going to be tons of them out there because once LGSs get them, the local gaming stores outside of the games workshop, there's going to be plenty on shelves. So I wouldn't even worry about that. But this product is going to be on shelves for a really long time through GW themselves. So people scalping it right now are, are kind of dumb and ridiculous. Like we, I went all day today razzing somebody on fucking 
on one of the buy sell trade groups because all of a sudden he changed his mind and everybody was like, just go return it to the store. Why are you trying to make a $40 profit, you fucking retard? <laughs> Ugh. That was fun. But yeah. So if you're buying models from GW, know that <clears throat> the shipping can get fucked up and they are having shipping issues and it could take longer than normal. I'm not a spokesperson for either company. So before that gets fucking misconstrued, but from my, uh, what is it called? Experience. This is what's happening. <clears throat> all right. All right. We got some other, I mean, where do you want to go? You want, I mean, we could bounce around or we just go down the list at this point. Let's bounce around because that one at the top is kind of a meaty, meaty subject. And I figured that one was going to be at the end. Okay. We can do that one at the end. Then. Um, PSA. Uh, we'll get into, we'll get into some training card shit then. How about that then? So PSA, yeah. PSA bought a company, uh, perch called Genement to improve its grading process. Now, if you if you've listened to past podcasts and you, this isn't your first one, you'll know PSA stopped their uh, grading or their submission program to catch up on what they've already have because they're going through some like record numbers of submissions, and they stopped March thirty first, and I think they're going through July. They're not they're looking at like July before they're starting to take anything else. <clears throat> So this uh, article is from Action Network. I don't know what they do. I don't know who they are. So I can't tell you who Action Network is. But as a 10 million card backup hit card grader PSA, so they're behind 10 million. People weren't getting stuff back for like years. That's how like their timeline was, uh, which led to a price increase and then a shutdown of submission. Like they tripled their prices for submissions, by the way before they to get people to slow down and people were still like, no, I'm going to try to make some quick money. So collectors mused that the machine graded company would, uh, would come to a com would come and compete with the industry giant. Then came Wednesday's twist collectors universe, parent company of PSA announced that it has purchased Genement, an artificial intelligence company that built a system to fingerprint a card to its unique marks, detect if it was tampered with and grade it. Terms weren't disclosed. Genement, uh, the, the pandemic-era brainchild of Kevin Linane, had a fundraising round from investors including Nat Turner, noted card collector and executive chairman of Collector's Universe. Linane said Turner, who along with... Wait a minute. Collector's Universe owns PSA, and this guy... And an executive chairman of Collector's Universe created the company. So one company bought the the company from another from an employee, basically. What the fuck? What it sounds like. That's weird. It is weird. I wouldn't make sure I said that right. Like right after I read it. I, I mean, that's what it says. Lenane said Turner, who, along with other investors, bought Collector's Universe for... 853 million in January gave him a bona fide offer before the company firmly got off the ground. Turner told action network that PSA would still be graded by humans, but the technology of Genement would provide a huge asset 
or a huge assist to the process. Turner was first turned onto the computer assistance when he was building his company, Flatiron Health. Their computers helped nurses sort clinical trial data faster and more accurately. Turner sold the company for $1.9 billion in 2018. Dude, what the fuck? This just seems like some asshole just... Oh, my God. <laughs> when a card comes into PSA, it's scanned. Using Genemint's technology, the computer will put up print marks and surface defects so that every card will be unique. Um, each card has different combinations of 70 major anomalies that were identified. Linane said for major ones like creases and scratches and stains to single pixels that are compromised. Holy fuck. So if the print didn't print right, you're going to get a lower grade. Now, this just seems dangerous. Based on the learning, learnings based uh, from every card, the machine will be able to pick up the card is trimmed or if a person used cracked out has cracked out a card that was previously graded in hopes of getting a better grade. Holy shit. Nice. Okay, so that's going to completely screw everybody. Both aren't common, common occurrences, but mean a lot to uphold PSA's integrity. In early March, PSA was having trouble keeping up with the card boom, doubled, doubled prices thinking it was going to allow the company to slow submissions down enough. The timing of the announcement seemed to have been leaked two days before, and a record 660,000 cards were submitted where the old price would had to be honored. By the end of the month, PSA had a hard call of shutting down card submissions. Uh, expect, wait, except the high-end uh, Super Express option, which is extremely expensive, to enable the company to catch up. The team came. Uh, the team came to me and said it was apparent that it was necessary to do what was right. Turner said, "The funny thing is that I got so much hate mail with the price increases and pretty much nothing." when we shut things down. Turner said PSA was getting so many card submissions that it essentially shut down the U S postal service in Southern California. Holy fuck. God damn. That's bad. We literally broke the postal service. Turner said we couldn't tell our customers their packages were where their packages were. And there's, and that's just unacceptable. Turner said he hopes to head to get all service levels restored by July 1st. Like I said, more graders are being added every two weeks, and the company is currently working through a backlog by grading 20,000 to 25,000 cards a day. Turner said with the latest acquisition, PSA executives are hoping that it will greatly aid in speed and accuracy. If this goes through, a lot of people are going to lose some jobs. And it looks like if this thing scans the way it says it does, it's going to cause a lot of lower grades or a lot of ridiculous grades. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there'll be sufficient backlash and we won't have to worry about it, but it's funny anyways. Yeah. I mean, this is just for cards. It looks like they're like comic submissions and stuff like that. It didn't really get affected. So just their card section, whatever. So yep. PSA bought a technology from, a CEO that had just bought them in 2018 that I just find weird. I find that every, I find that all sorts of shady. Truly. Yeah. I, that's crazy. Going along the lines of cards. Let's talk about the fucking Yu-Gi-Oh fucking mess going on right now. 
So uh, Ghosts from the Past got released. And remember how we were complaining it was 15 bucks for three packs? Well, it got more absurd because apparently there are cards worth a lot of money in them. So now scalpers are hitting them. You cannot find that pack anywhere. As much as like Orlando says that Yu-Gi-Oh floods the market, they can't even flood the market fast enough for these people to be grabbing this stuff. So sealed product is going for almost double. You're looking at 25 a box for three packs. And then I was thinking to myself and I'm like, I would never pay that much. But then I turn around and would buy a collector's booster for 25 bucks for 20 cards, <laughs> 15 cards. How many cards are in there? I don't know. <laughs> so. Yeah. So scalpers are wholesale hitting like everything right now, like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, sports cards. It doesn't fucking matter. We live in an age where people think it's appropriate to buy out stores and then try to double the price, calling themselves entrepreneurs. <laughs> I can't believe instead of instead of actually starting a fucking business, they want to call themselves entrepreneurs and basically take advantage of people. So. Yeah, it sounds about right. Whatever. You'd think there's more risk. Because you, you, you think about it, you have to pay taxes on it anyway, unless you're committing tax fraud. So if you're committing tax fraud, then that's a problem. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to get audited next year. All this bullshit. Especially when you got companies like PayPal just closing down accounts. So. Whatever. People find a way to work around the system as much as humanly possible. And with a lot of these, with a lot of these people, I, I think there's a certain amount of money you have to make for you to have to actually file. What is a 1099? Well, remember eBay is doing that thing where you only have to make like a couple hundred dollars now. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I guess if I they're they flipping them and they make, make that amount of money over in a year and yeah, they're getting, they're getting a tax, they're getting a tax form in the mail. Well, you figure you're flipping it. Well, you flip one PS PS five and that's it. You're, you're paying taxes for the rest of the year now on anything you sell. <laughs> so. Pretty much. I mean, you, you, if, if Tara were here, she'd probably be talking to us about uh, all the shit that she owns and how she's going to make that, make that liquid. I don't even fucking envy her with all the old Pokemon shit she has. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if that's really tax fraud if you're liquidating your collection. It depends on which, how much she gets out of it during the course of of her selling. Tara's been selling cards for a while. In fact, I bought uh, a couple of uh, conspiracy cards from her like a year or two after I met her. Hmm. And uh, like she has she has an eBay store. I don't know if she still if it's still up, but she had an eBay store. And she was selling stuff off of that. Yeah. She just, still has full boxes of MTG that she just hasn't, that she's just been sitting on. I don't know if she's ever going to, ever going to sell them. I think she said like the one box she was, she had, she's not even going to fucking move until it, until she can legitimately sell it for 10 K. Good luck on that one. Yeah. Right. You better find some sort of fucking whale. <laughs> Speaking well, of for some, seventh edition, for some reason is really fucking popular out of nowhere. And I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because it had a little print run. There, some something's going on where somebody has insider information, and like me and you were just talking about mo like more modern product on how some of these newer sets in the standard 
block right now are so undervalued that like they're going to explode when they come out of like a rotation. Well, I mean, if you look at stuff like uh, Throne of Eldraine, like in standard, there's a, there's the, most of the cards, like the legendary uh, cards that are in there, um, they're all going to have decent static values. Like a lot of the Brawl deck uh, box commanders, those are all still sitting except for uh, uh, Sir Gwen of Ashdale. Um, she's like under a dollar, but the other three, they're five dollars and up. Yeah, uh, and then you have all the legendary items. Uh, the there's um all the artifacts like uh, the Circle of Unity, um, Great Henge, Amber Cleave, um, Cauldron of Eternity. They're still a buck and above uh, on the market. So once they rotate out, I don't know if they're going to be useful in Modern and Legacy, but I can still see them holding holding value. Plus, Th- Throne of Eldraine was the first set that had alternative printings. Like they had the fairy tale border printings of yeah, cards, yeah. so a lot of those cards could see um, see value hikes too. So, but I don't know. Like people were saying, it's like, oh, Throne of Eldraine's the better investment. I'm like, I don't know. Zendikar Rising, if it's a sealed box, just the box topper could pay for the box of eventually. Yeah, that's true. I forgot Zendikar Rising boxes had those. It was the selling point for the set. It's the reason I have four boxes of it. Yeah, those box toppers are fucking sweet. Not just for the art, but like having access to some cards that are just really, really rare. Speaking of the okay, so what I've noticed lately, and I think everybody's noticed at this point right now, is that if you're playing standard and you nobody cares about the Strixhaven set, like specifically the set. Everybody is chasing the mythical archive cards, which was the selling point to the set. I get that. But the way people are chasing them, it has completely like killed the price of standard cards from this set, which is phenomenal if you're looking for stuff. So buy it. Yeah. (laughs) For all of the legendary cards in that set on TCG player buying via TCG direct, I priced everything out at 62 bucks shipped which is fucking amazing because some of those dragons are extremely potent creatures that a lot of people are looking at but not only because of the mythical archive stuff but because everything has like two or three printings all the rares do you have the foil you have the regular printing the foil printing the um the uh extended art the foil extended art. So there's four printings of each card. So most of your most of your whale uh, customers are buying the higher end uh, full art ones, mm-hmm. or the full art foils. So that means that the regular foils and regular art stuff are all pennies on the dollar. Versus, dude, the deans, all of the deans yep. for Strixhaven are no more than a dollar at most. Yep, I'm actually shocked because okay, so Professor Onyx started at like almost 20 bucks which it happens on every set every one of the planeswalkers starts off about like 20 bucks it has already leveled out to almost ten dollars yeah because there's three different printings of that card or we're four not, different printings so we're not even a week everybody in yet the full board we're not even a week into the set and it's already leveled itself out that is ridiculous well speculation on strixhaven was is that it's the it, it, it's the cooler set it's the set that's supposed to cool off the power level 
It increases a lot of the CMC. That's why a lot of the cards in there work with higher CMC cards. Like um, there are cards that benefit you if you are playing cards, playing like instants and sorceries that are a CMC of like five and above. So like the set's intent is to be a slower set. So once rotation goes through and it's left there, like it's going to be one of the more docile sets. It's basically just there to be really flavorful, but really underpowered, except for like a few choice cards, like Professor Onyx and uh, Witherbloom uh, was Witherbloom Apprentice are powerful cards right now because there's a combo with them. Yeah, it's um, this set is what Theros, the original Theros was in that block, like because everything got increased massively. Like you don't you rarely see like seven, eight, nine drops. And it's like it's rampant in this set. (laughs) Which is fine, because in what ends up happening is, is that the the standard the standard environment slows down a bit. There's still decent mana fixing in the set and across the sets. So you're not hurting for that. I mean, it's still slower because I'm pretty sure the temples are going to get kicked down the road to the next core set. And those are going to be the next uh, going to be in the next set because there's no reason for them not to. They've already put them in um, multiple core sets, I believe, at this point. So they're they're like a buck at most. Do they reprint most of the tables of those Skylands? They reprinted Fabled Passage from Throne of Eldraine into the 2021 set. No, no, other way around. They reprinted Fabled Passage <laughs> in Throne of Eldraine after they already put it in the 2021 set. <laughs> No, it started in Throne of Eldraine first. Then it went to the course. Okay. Which Either means way. that they're likely going to kick it down the road again, too. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating, obviously. I don't know. They may just randomly throw a curveball and, and do something completely different. Core sets are kind of a free for all because it's a, uh, it's supposed to be a really good opportunity to do reprints, but it's also a really nice chance for them to just throw random things against the wall and see what sticks, which it very rarely ever happens. It's the reason why a lot of core sets don't hold retain very good value. And in most cases, most collectors tend to avoid them on, hey, after a certain hold point. On, hold on a second. Like, I think 2019. Hold on. Hello? 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 Damn it. I actually was trying to get them on the on the podcast. Oh well. <laughs> what was that? Fucking wing stop that fucked up my dinner tonight. <laughs> they left me on hold for a really fucking long time and I told Kayla that I was gonna put them on the podcast and they apparently called me back at eleven forty four at night. That's fucked up. <laughs> I'm confused, but okay. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, um, like the core sets never really hold good value, but they're great for no. reprints. So like, and Fable Passage is still one of the better, uh, it's a, one of the better standard fetch lands. So hundred oh, percent. It will. I honestly, I have one now and I think I like that fetch that land better than some of the other fetch lands. It doesn't produce any mana, but it fetches land. So which I like. I like it. As as far as fetch lands go, I think that's my favorite one because it's it's easily accessible to people. 
you're not overpaying like and you're not limited to a specific land like a specific color you know what i mean sure <clears throat> so i could see that yeah because otherwise the other fetch lands are going for like what 150 200 right now yeah and you're only limited to two colors obviously you're going to take the colors that you have but fabled passage has more utility as opposed to those that you're paying $150 for so it's all about utility my friends all about utility <laughs> I don't know. So um, I watched the professor after we shit talked him. I, I mean, I'll still watch his videos every once in a while, but he honestly, his opinion on the collector's boosters is kind of what I've been like spitballing since the whole collector's booster thing happened. So, and he actually said, so if you buy a Japanese box of Strixhaven, you will automatically get access to the, alternate art cards. So if you can find a Japanese box of Strixhaven or you know somebody in Japan that will ship you one, fucking do it that way. <laughs> but uh, collector's boosters, it makes no sense. For the price, for the amount of cards that you get out of it, the, the chance of the cards you can get out of it, you're better off buying two and a half boxes of regular boosters and not even worrying about the Japanese alternate art. Like if the Japanese alternate art is what you want, then pay the money for the singles because you're going to waste that money trying to like hunt them down. So I'm still not going to pay 300 for a demonic tutor though. I refuse. <laughs> I think at that point, I'd rather just pay for the mythical archive version, which is, I think it's sitting like 40 right now. So I really felt like doing that. Right. Exactly. So I didn't actually, so I, t I was saying I was going to buy a box of Strixhaven. I never ended up doing it. I only got the, I got the um, commander decks minus one. I'm missing the Quandrix box, which is fine because there's nothing in it that I really need, even though it's a popular one. And um, two challenge decks, the Demir Rogues and the Azorius, which had awesome value in it for me, at least. The value, I didn't check the value on the cards, but I mean, the Demir Rogue one, you have the uh, Enforcer that's a rare that's a dollar right now. Like, so there's no real value, but it's had value to me because it's the deck I kind of play on Arena anyway right now. Well, um, Rankle is like a seven or eight dollar card right now, so that's that's in the deck too. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so there is value in it, but I mean, it was thirty. I paid thirty dollars for it for the challenge decks each so i spent 60 dollars on it. i don't think i got 60 dollars worth of value out of it but to me personally the value is in it for me um trying to think like what else like yeah so i didn't buy it's my six haven box yet so i might actually end up buying an actual box i i'm actually i'm really curious on standard right now and this is the fucking problem that i get because i just learned about a program called spell table where you can play paper magic on your laptop with a webcam against other people and it will tell you what their cards say because it, if it's the the resolution is good enough it will pop up the card or you can ask them the name of the card and it will you can type it in and it'll bring up the card for you in the program so 
I just learned about this and I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of standard going on. <laughs> I don't know why I feel this way, but I'm like, I'm getting that like competitive, like itch or back. And I, I fucking hate when I get that. How many times, how many times have I texted you within like, not even the last, like, yeah, last like week about with like packs of cards that I've gotten where I'm like, I have a problem. <laughs> I bought the Viking theme for Kaldheim. Why did I do that? Like there was nothing in there that I needed. <laughs> uh, I have a problem. We need a uh, cardboard anonymous. Well, it's just as Perp said, we have we have uh, addictive personalities, and thank God we're attached to cardboard and not heroin, I guess. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are you going to call it? Cardboard Hoarders Anonymous? Call it CHA? <laughs> hey, worst comes the worst, if I lose my shirt, I can always build a shirt out of cardboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much like, so, oh man, there's so much going on that with like MTG that it's like, it's hard to keep up. And then they do something really good. Like the mystical archive cards are great because you ha they've finally realized that they have a lot of commander players and they've released a lot of commander staples in those mythical archive cards in the box toppers. They're starting to cater more to the commander players, which is nice while still keeping the competitive nature of standard. But then they go off and do stupid shit like the secret layers. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what the fuck are you doing? I want to find the person that's in charge of that department that comes up with the secret layers and slap the fuck out of them. Yeah, it sounds about right. Especially with that. What, the what is it called? The full text lands and full they're selling them for an outrageous fucking price. But then they turn around and do the dual lands. The Shocklands. Yeah, those are gorgeous. And not only that, they they have them across the different planes. So even like if there's a repeat, like there's two different temple gardens and they're completely fucking different. That's gorgeous. Like a lot of those are like sought after, especially because Shocklands are always useful in basically every format. But that's what I'm saying. They do. They do awesome shit like Shocklands and myth, mythical archive or mystical archive cards. And then they fuck it up with full land text or just basic land fucking drops like Bob Ross lands. Like, why are you doing this? Why? <laughs> OK, with the uh, well, at least with the Bob Ross lands, those still have some kind of appeal because that's Bob just Ross. flipping awesome. Right. But like any of those cards. I don't feel compelled to spend the money, dude. Proxiers yeah. and Etsy Etsy artists have been doing full text lands for fucking years now. I it's I like way to jump on the bandwagon now when you notice that there's somebody who's doing who's already doing it and making money because it's your fucking property and you could be a, a be an asshole like that. Well, did you? But I like I can go and spend pennies on the fucking dollar and get ten of each of those fucking full text lands and not have to spend $250 for them like they want to sell them on fucking Wizards' website. Fuck them. Yeah. You know what? Wizards is becoming coming greedy. They're becoming really good. They're Become asking, they're asking <laughs> more. They no longer disclose the MSRP on their products, and they're asking more than what retailers are selling them for. So, so to buy directly from Wizards, you're paying more, sometimes upwards close to $10 more of what regular retailers are selling shit for. 
directly from them. Directly from them. It, it makes no fucking sense to me. Well, okay. So, um, the, the, the one, uh, video that the professor did talking about the Strixhaven, uh, commander decks, he was talking about, uh, availability mm-hmm. and he, he, he said, he's like, well, if your LGS is going to either price hike you on it or they don't have them available because of allocation issues, you can always go to Amazon and Amazon's pre has a pre-order guarantee on them for 36 bucks. And I'm like, you are shooting the fucking LGSs in the fucking foot. And I already know they've been doing that because they've been trying to walk away from the LGSs for eons. Just nobody's really paid attention to it, but except the, for the LGSs who've been complaining I constantly about it. Dude, but Magic is trying to charge, uh, Wizards are trying to charge $35 a collector's booster when they're 25 You're paying, they're 25 at like Target, Walmart, big box stores, and they're charging 30, almost 35 through their Amazon page. So who's shooting who in the foot? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking well, ridiculous. It's a convenience thing. If you think about it, Amazon tends to be one of the major ways that people purchase stuff. I try not to, but even I... Dude, the 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 uh the replacement stand for the fucking TV that I have, I bought that off Amazon. I got it for fucking sixteen bucks. Yeah, I'm it's, not gonna. I, I couldn't go. They didn't even have them at Best Buy, and Best Buy sells fucking televisions. So it's just like I, I had no choice but to go there. Yeah, or just, go to Walmart and pay thirty dollars, and I didn't give a shit enough to do that, and I would only be able to get that through the online, and they would have to mail it to me, and I'm not gonna do that either. It's just weird because it's like. Wizards wants the LGS to fucking overcharge you, but then they'll overcharge where the LGS is not overcharging. It just, it just fucking blows my mind. And like, we keep talking shit about like the reserve list. And if the biggest greed move they can do is just to blow up the reserve list, that's the biggest greed thing they can do. Just fucking blow it up and throw it out in a secret lair. Every card, every card in the fucking reserve list, just fucking print them out as a secret layer and charge a reasonable price for it. And people will lose their fucking minds. So the only way they'd be able to do that from a this is from a financial standpoint is they would have to be financially secure enough to blow up the blow to blow up the reserve list that way. And be able to deal with the financial backlash afterwards from the grizzled old collectors who have been sitting on fucking PSA graded uh, uh, power nines Yeah, but as their fucking retirement plan. Right, but have you noticed, though, anytime a new card comes out, it has nothing to do with the old card. The old card continues to rise in price where the new card is the new price. So, yeah, nobody's going to buy the old one because of how high the price is, but that price is going to continue to rise. <laughs> it's just like we see it all the time. Like we're seventh edition. There's really nothing in seventh edition where I'm like, oh, man, seventh edition. Like, holy crap, like all these cards, like, but they're rising in price. And we saw it when Kaldheim released. Um, What is it? Uh, Fifth edition fucking flew through the roof. Was it fifth? No, no, the Tempest block flew through the roof for no reason. I don't know why it did that. But it's like, it's every time a new set drops, something spikes, and it spikes ridiculous. So there's there's two reasons for that. One is market speculation, and that's something that has to do with MTG Finance. The other thing is if a specific 
uh, card is printed in a new set that interacts with an older card from that set, more eyes end up going on to the older set to see if there are other things that might interact with the newer cards. That happens pretty frequently. And the, the problem with a lot of the reserve list stuff is the renewed interest in it is because a lot, again, we go back to the, 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 the inflation thing that's happening because of the COVID uh, stimulus nonsense, mm-hmm. because they're printing more money, the value of the money is going to start to go down. And when that happens, liquid assets are not going to be worth anything. Only really collectibles are going to be able to retain any particular value as things start to collapse. So a lot of people are investing in that kind of stuff and, you know, survival supplies, but that's neither here nor there. But they're the, the way that they're doing that is that they're doing it with baseball cards, which they're sports cards, which is ba- fucking baffling to me because like sports cards haven't been viable since the, since the 1980s and 1990s. So whatever the hell they're doing, whatever the hell they think they're doing, I don't know. But like with Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon, like Pokemon was, had no eyes on it up until 2016 or 2017. And then all of a sudden the fucking finance community just started looking at it as like, well, it's been around for a while. Why don't we fuck it up? Yeah, I don't think it was the finance community. I think it was people starting to realize that there was value in it, and then fucking lo- the whole Logan Paul thing happened. Yeah, he, I know you want to strangle him with his own intestines, especially after that weird ass fucking fight he was in. Yeah. No, no, that was that was, that that was, was I, I watched the ending of that, and that was dumb, dude. There was no ending. It was two minutes. I, that fucking shit was rigged. It was straight up rigged. It wasn't rigged. That dude didn't look in shape at all. He's, they they threw that he's a, ball onto the fucking uh, on the fucking mat to get be a sacrificial lamb. Uh, he's a wrestler. He wasn't even a boxer. That's all I'm saying. And that's why he lost to that fucking idiot. So it's fine. Just let it, you, nobody believes it's real. The dude made the, the dude made money. Who the fuck cares? Whatever. Right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Before we finish this, I wanted to kind of do a different segment. Not really a segment. Just kind of throw something in there. And it's just something that I've noticed. Um, and it kind of ties along with the affiliate link. Check this out. So I was going through the um, Orzov stuff of um, Strixhaven. And I found a cool little combo. Uh, because they deal a lot with like the Inkling tokens and stuff like that. Um, so... The card, the card, two cards. One's blot out the sky, which is fantastic. Black, white, and X. Create X tapped two, one, white and black inkling creature tokens with flying. If X is six or more, destroy all non creature, non land permanents. So you can just wipe the board of all artifacts, basically, artifacts, enchantments, everything. Then. After that, you drop probably the coolest looking card that's related to black and white, Dramatic Finale, which is four um, white black. Creature tokens you control gain plus one, plus one. Uh, Okay, hold on. Why isn't it zooming in? Okay. Whenever one or more non-creature token you control dies, create a two, one white black inkling token. With flying, this ability triggers only once each turn. So you can flood the flood the field with tokens, with blot out the sky, and then next and get rid of all the enchantments and everything, and then the next turn drop down uh, dramatic finale, 
and you have a nice little army of three two white flying inkling tokens that if they die one of them comes back <laughs> sounds like a cool combo well not the not the token the token doesn't come back but if you have another creature that dies we'll come back that's just something i noticed it seems real cheap it's obviously two turns so yeah if you want to try out the combo in whatever standard deck you're building for silver quill yeah silver quill colors go check it out and you can use the tcg player link to buy your stuff <laughs> what do you think about the combo i think it's a cool decent combo for standard it doesn't seem too expensive and, and it doesn't seem too either it's just pretty functional yeah exactly so and these cards right now like we said they're cheap uh blot out the sun's a mythic card and dramatic finale is a rare card they're not too mana costly and i guarantee dramatic finale is probably at like a dollar if that right now so Fair yeah it's really weird because black white is not striking me as the token pumping like murder fucks that they are but <laughs> this is what Silver Quill has become. <laughs> so. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Next week, we'll cover a Prismari one that seems kind of cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Go check those two cards out. Blot out the sun and dramatic finale. Let us know if it works for you. Try it on Arena. Do whatever you need to. But, yeah. Let us know. <laughs> All right. Moving on. What's next? The Jimmy Fallon Among Us rant, I kind of like caught part of that. Do you know more about that than than I do? Oh, yeah. oh yes. I can't wait. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I put this in because this is my this is my rant. So a long time ago in a galaxy far away, we were talking about AOC playing. Uh, I think she was playing Among Us as well yeah. a bit ago. And we were talking about how that was building that that build that, that was a good way to build PR for her and obviously for the game itself in one way or another. Um, we talked about the, we talked about the, you know, the logistics behind that, but this is a complete, this is the completely other side of the coin of this. This is that meme, you know, hello, fellow kids meme with uh, Steve Buscemi. This is what this is. <laughs> and not only is it like that and in, in spirits, but it's also like that in actual like effect. Because not only did him playing Among Us not not garner him any real value, it also made people kind of walk away from the game because his boomer ass was playing it. Yeah, this I is coming from someone lot. who's tipping into 40, and even I looked at this and fucking cringed because it's some old dude trying to stumble fuck his way through Among Us and trying to look cool doing so. And I'm just going to say it on this side. I don't think Fallon is funny at all and never fucking has been. Out of any, out of all the SNL alums, he's one of the most he's one of the most miserable shit piles I've ever had I've ever fucking witnessed. He he's this weird like giggly idiot who just like I don't know what he's fucking traveling on. I just I don't know what he's riding on at this point as far as popularity is concerned because like none of his fucking jokes ever felt like they landed. Like I and this is coming from someone who thinks Tina Fey is funny. So clearly I'm I'm fucking slanted in my perspective. But like when you contrast him to like any of the other SNL alums who had, who had gone off to do other things, 
Like even what was it? Uh, the other late night guy, Seth, uh, Seth McCann, Seth something. Like I think he's funnier than than Jimmy Fallon. So, like, what the uh, fuck were you? What the fuck were you hoping for here with this Among Us shit? If this is what your fucking public publicist or your public your fucking PR guy said you should do, or the fucking uh, the director thought you should do, you should have looked at him and be like, no one's gonna watch an old person play fucking Among Us. This will bomb this worse than the whole chin Pokemon joke on po- on uh, South Park. <laughs> Honestly, though, like he like I heard it flopped bad, but I heard there was a reason for him doing it. I just can't remember what the reason was. But to be honest, like you said, like he's a late night host. What fucking kid is watching late night hosts? You're not going to bring them and get them to stay up at night to watch your dumb ass tell some terrible jokes and do some shitty interviews. Well, he doesn't have the same kind of appeal that like Conan O'Brien does when he does this because Conan O'Brien's an actual nerd. So when Conan O'Brien plays games on his show or plays games on his uh, on his YouTube page, it's actually interesting because Conan O'Brien is a chuckle fuck like we are. So there's some intrinsic value to him going and playing like Doom 2016 with with like a a fucking. uh, a professional gamer on his show or, you know, playing a fun game you know, as, as like a little aside during the course of his, uh, his, his little monologue or whatever the fuck he ends up doing. Jimmy yeah. Fallon does it. And I just look at him and I'm like, what a weaselly little shit bag. Why the fuck are you even doing this? Honestly, like I would, I'll say it now that I think Conan O'Brien should have gotten the tonight show. Oh, I think you and everyone else thought that, that again, and every time Jay Leno just fucking stuck his balls in it just to make just just to make Conan O'Brien's coffee just a little bit sour, just, more sour, just uh, uh. <clears throat> yeah. No, I want to stay on. Yeah, yeah, I want to stay on because I want to make more Clinton jokes. Yeah, those are still in, right? It's twenty. It's twenty oh one. Well, you know, people want to listen to that, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what people want. I don't even keep any of my Tonight Show money. I make all my money doing stand up. No one thinks you're fucking funny anymore. No, the only th- the only reason I like Jay Leno now is because his fucking car garage, and he's a huge car nerd. But he doesn't like he's not a joke. Like I hated his jokes. I didn't like anything about him. But to be fair, Fallon when he first took over, I was like, oh man, it's like a breath of fresh air to the Tonight Show. Not like I really watch the Tonight Show all that often. But um, I was like, man, there's gonna be some something cool about it. And then you figure out, do you see like James Gordon doing the same fucking thing? And you're like, wait a minute, like you didn't add anything to the Tonight Show. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> so the Tonight Show is an outmoded relic. Like, if you look yeah. at it as an as an institution in tel- in television programming, like TV as as an institute is is falling apart anyways because there are easier, more direct ways people can get their entertainment oh, without yeah. having to fucking watch commercials or deal with people, you know, trying to make jokes land like those people do so like those that that whole like business model is falling apart on its face and it's good that it is because like i don't fucking watch late night shows like my wife will watch snl occasionally but it's also because it's gone so goddamn left-wing like that's the reason she enjoys it which i mean good for her if she does but like i can't fucking stand it because the jokes don't fucking land if you could take the jokes from the current iteration of SNL and for the past four fucking years, you'd be able to create the fucking, uh, the city from Bioshock two <laughs> Bioshock three. Sorry. Bioshock infinite. I'm sorry. I like so, Pete yeah. Davidson. <laughs> what? I like Pete Davidson. <laughs> 
Pete, Pete Davidson's fine on him on his own, but even he makes some stupid fucking remarks on Twitter, and it's just like, you, you dude, just shut the fuck up and be funny. No one cares. <laughs> People don't seem to understand that who are in who are in fucking comedy or in fucking in in the Hollywood. No one gives a fuck about your politics. You can have them, and I you have every right to have them. But you're not. We're not watching you for you to make some fucking grand grand fucking political statement. Just fucking dance for the camera, goddammit. it! Unless, unless you're Lewis Black. If you're Lewis Black, I'm there for the politics. <laughs> Even Lewis Black's kind of getting on in years, and like listening to him talk, oh, yeah. he's just they just keep dumping every like two or three years. They just keep dumping more gravel down his throat, and he just gets more and more gravelly. So, I mean, if that's your selling point, <laughs> go for it. But eventually, it's just like how much, how many more times can you yell about that shit? Oh man, no, Lewis Black. Last time I saw him, he was really funny. Um, that was like, fuck. Tony was still down in Champagne. That was that was a long time ago, at least, dude, over ten years ago. That was the last time I saw Lewis Black. Holy fuck! Lewis God, Black man. was doing uh, Facebook streams. Where he was he was taking uh, questions and shit from the from the stream uh, the, from the chat. I watched a couple of those like four years ago, and that was the last time I saw him doing anything. I don't think he even does anything like that anymore. I and I don't watch fucking. Uh, um, oh, t- God damn it! I can't even remember the goddamn name. The Daily Show because I don't. I, I, I Trevor Noah's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like the entire purpose of the daily show was entertainment. Like the reason, the reason it had any news behind it was because George W. Bush was a fucking idiot and they were making fun of George W. Bush with fucking with gusto. So they gained most of their popularity during his eight years in term. And once John Stewart left, all the fucking wind in the sails came out with him. I honestly didn't see a reason for them to continue going on. It was starting to go downhill after, um, What's the other guy's name? Oh, I can't. The Republican side. What was that guy's name? Who's not even Republican? The fuck's his name? Stephen Colbert. Colbert. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck's going after Colbert? He's so left wing. He he could fucking fly on it. No, but when he left with the Daily Show is what I'm saying. He used to remember he was supposed to be like the Republican side during like the whole like thing that was like his whole shtick. He was like pretending to be a conservative when he really wasn't. <laughs> he did a damn good job. Like watching those two shows back to back was a fucking treat. Oh, I know. But like once the veneer fell off and he went and did late night, sh- uh, he, he took over for Letterman, right? Colbert. Was it, was it? Yeah. Colbert's doing his own late night show, right? I thought he's still doing the Colbert show. Well, it's not it's not the Colbert Report anymore. He's doing his own show then. And like it's so goddamn left wing. It's 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 unfortunate to watch. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it since like the Daily Show fell off. Cuz the only reason I watched it was cuz the Daily. I would watch the Daily Show and then I watched the Colbert Report like right afterwards. <laughs> I don't know what it is, and maybe this is something I'll come to understand as I get older, but like I don't get what the fuck it is with people who are in 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 the in the Hollywood circles or who are in popular media who completely walk away from what made them funny. 
like they wholesale regret that they did it. I'm like, yeah, you regret it as you walked all the way to the fucking bank. Dude, I saw Stephen Colbert when he was in Strangers with Candy. Well, that's the fucking first time I saw that dude, and he was hysterical. Yeah, dude, I don't know. (laughs) It's very hard to find someone who is genuine in the media, like any type of media. It doesn't matter. Fucking it's so I mean, you have some people like I think Rogan's a yeah, Joe Rogan's a pretty genuine guy. I think the comedians like Burt Kreishner, um, Bobby Lee, I think those guys are Andrew Schultz. I think those guys are fucking pretty genuine, but they're all comedians. Like they have no reason not to be genuine. You know what I mean? Um, but like you, you get to like well, the actors pretty- and stuff. It's hard to find like an actual genuine person. But the problem with it is fucking Stephen Colbert was a second city alumnus. He started in Chicago. He was a fucking comedian. Right. And again, they, they get that money and they, 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 they go in there and they listen to their fucking publicists and their PR guys like you need to go back and regret everything you did publicly. I'm like, fuck you. If I was that, if I got my popularity doing dumb shit and I got older, my response would be, I did dumb shit to make money. I don't regret any of it because I made fucking money and I got where I'm at. It's called building a fucking character, you you fucking soulless suits. Well, that's what that's what with Gina Carano. But no, they rely on their they rely on fucking PR companies and their fucking agents and their publicists to make sure make every fucking decision that they make, and it makes people not even want to fucking listen to them anymore because they don't care. And I've said this to my wife too. I do not give a flying, tumbling, wall smashing fuck what any person in in Hollywood thinks. That and that even extends out to people like Patton Oswalt, who is, I'm sorry, one of the top ten funniest fucking people. And his comedy yeah. is so goddamn entertaining and cerebral. But the moment he the moment he flaps his fucking gums about anything, I just go, shut the fuck up, dude. You are a fucking <laughs> liberal arts idiot who spends his time sitting on fucking Prozac after your goddamn wife died. Do some fucking things with your life that don't include me having to listen to you on fucking Twitter. It's like between muting him and every other fucking up there ass goddamn elitist. I'm so tired of listening to him. Yep. And that's why I cringed when <laughs> that's why I cringed when fucking Kayla was just like, I'm going to have to set some times for you now. Everything's content to you. Everything you do is going to be content. Uh, uh, better not fucking be. <laughs> look, look, you've already stated before and we've, and we've got it, in, got it in digital. Like if you get too, too big for your britches, we're allowed to come over there and hit you in the face with a Stilson wrench. And I plan on doing that. Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, though, like, uh, like thinking like how, like, I mean, we're not getting like, we're getting big, we're growing, we're not, we're not exploding or anything, but once can like conventions start to happen again, I want to take like, do some like on the road, like interviews of things like the people, like companies, like get some, like maybe some insider news on some of like, maybe not wizards, like specifically i couldn't i don't think i could talk to them they find out we talk about them and they give us some sort of bullshit cease and desist and we never be able to talk about magic again <laughs> pretty awkward considering so, he just got that tcg player affiliate link but whatever yeah, right. we keep moving on <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but you know what i mean get some of like the industry heads and like do some stuff but the, that's the other thing too is that like i don't fucking cater to people like i mean i'll cater like to 
to like a guest like we did with perp like before he came on we asked him like hey is there anything that's off limits are you not is there stuff you don't want to talk about and he was straight up like no and i put him in an uncomfortable spot at one point i feel and you know he even said he was like i don't like talking about this but then he still you know went on and talked about it but it's like so i'll do that type of catering but i will not will not kiss someone's ass to get them on the show (laughs) that will never happen (laughs) so uh i don't there there's there's a a level of professionalism that needs to be had and then there's a level of uh oh my god i think you're way cooler than me can you please 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 do this i'll do anything to have you on no no that's not no professional is one thing kissing ass is a completely different thing and kissing ass i will not do (laughs) so that's like that makes sense and because you kind of segued into it, I can make the statement. I, we were, we were intending to have uh, Mitch from commander's quarters on um, because of his, uh, because of the content he makes, he wanted to keep things PG. So he declined to go on our show. We have no hard feelings to him for this choice. You do what you got to do with your brand, but he was, he was kind enough to answer a small set of questions for us, and we plan to have that up at some point on the Facebook page and, and or Twitter, depending on where, where we decide to dump it on. So he did. He was kind enough to, at the very least, uh, acquiesce and give me some uh, solid answers on things. And the answers he gave me were pretty thorough, and, and I didn't really ask really complicated questions. So yeah, just so, a heads up to people. We do actually have a, a little bit from him, regardless of whether it was something that he could, that he, it was out of his control with that. So, yeah. So obviously what happened was, is Mitch has a brand and he keeps everything PG and kid friendly. And we're the complete exact opposite of that. We want to cater to a more mature audience. And it was a clash of audiences. There's never been ill will. And the second he told us, we completely understood. We were like, all right, cool. No problem. I'm like, if you ever change your mind, you're more than welcome to come on. And that is professionalism. But I will never. The exact opposite of that would be to kiss his ass would be to scrap the 29 episodes that we have and go to a family friendly program just to have him on and that's that's kissing ass that's what that kissing ass thing is but the professionalism that we both had on both sides we you know we're still open to have him having him on but we understand what why he's keeping his brand to a certain way because there are kids that listen to his show and inevitably what would happen is his audience would find out that we have him on and come listen to us and then we would put more pressure on him nobody wants that so and that's never the intent. The intent was to actually have him down and have a conversation. That is the professionalism that I'm talking about. And that's how things have to go. So there's no ill will on either side. We were, you know, we were both open with each other. And, you know, he didn't ha- he didn't have to answer questions for us. He didn't have to do, a, you know, like we, we submitted questions and he gave us answers to him. He didn't have to do that. And he did. And I very much appreciate that. And like I said, anytime that if things change for him and he wants to come on, he's more than welcome to come on. So, but yeah, we're, well, I'm thinking about doing like a blog post thing and putting those questions in there. So, um, if you guys we will probably do it on Facebook because it's more long form than Twitter, 
but obviously we can, I think we can share it to Twitter somehow. I think I'll look into it. <laughs> what happened? We'll make it work. I'm not worried about it. Right. So yeah, like, the, like that's the, that's the kind of like stuff that we want to, we want to be professional about things. We don't want to be, you know, babies or fake about anything. So you know, it is what it is. And the whole theory, you attract more bees with honey. I don't want to attract all the bees. I don't. I want genuine people. And if you're butthurt by something that we say or how we we give you the information, then that's your problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> so that's just, that's just, I mean, that's literally it. Like, if you hate me for something that we've said or you don't, like, if we, I've, I don't know, like, if the professor We'll take the professor, for example. The professor ever came on and heard heard me talking shit about him, and he wanted to, you know, make peace about it. Okay, cool. We'll make peace about it. Like, I don't don't bear any ill will against I don't want anything harmful to happen to the guy. Just, you know, I have some issues. (laughs) And it's my own personal issue. But, like I said, um, but if you hate, if if you get hate, like, if you hate us for an opinion that we have, go fuck yourself. Like the sh- like our shirts say, go fuck yourself. <laughs> so not just a catchy statement; it's our fucking motto. Yeah, like our bushido code of "go fuck yourself." <laughs> that will forever be. I'm gonna put that on a shirt. <laughs> bushido code of "go fuck yourself." <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, so if you're looking for Commander's Quarter stuff, um, he, he was gonna be on, um. And he did answer some questions for us. So we'll put those up so you guys can get an idea of what we asked him. Uh, nothing too serious. We didn't get into like personal life. We talked about his channel. We talked about magic. Um, and we talked about his influence. And that's that's what we covered. And we got a good set of questions. We got some uh, good questions in there. So there you go. <laughs> got that uh, shit down. On, got that shit down on paper, so to speak. Yeah, quite literally, quite literally. Um, I totally forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me, Drew. <laughs> you sent me the questions and the answers, and I was and I totally forgot about that. So I guess we're gonna have to. I'll 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 work on that this week. I think. Um, I'll get something good in. Don't worry, we'll get some sort of article in. Remember, I drive truck. I'm not a writer. <laughs> so if you just get bullet point question answer. Just be happy you got that. All right. <laughs> uh, what's next? What's next? Who's the okay? Explain to me the Quentin Flynn accusations. Um, and then we'll go into Blizzard, I think. So Quentin Flynn is a seriously popular voice actor. You've probably heard his voice in a bunch of things. You play World of Warcraft, so you've heard his voice before. I'm sure. Oh, the um uh, Kelthas from Burning Burning Crusade. We, I remember us talking about that. Yeah, yeah. He was Prince. He was Prince Kelthas from Burning Crusade. He was Axel slash Lee in Kingdom Hearts. He was um, a Liquid Snake in the Metal Gear series. Uh, there, there isn't much he hasn't been in. He's a very well known voice actor. And needless to say, I'll keep it general because I don't like getting into the meat and potatoes of these of allegations and stuff. But there was improper. He was being accused of of sexual misconduct by by somebody, 
And there, I guess there was already litigation going on because of it. And the person decided to, you know, throw all of the information, throw everything out. We throw the baby with the bathwater out on it. And he ended up hosting uh, a response about it. It's a pretty long letter he wrote. I think he put it on post on Twitter. If anybody wants to find it, I'm not going to TLDR it like we usually do. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, um, if I, I think this is the pre and all I'm going to say is it looks like this is the prelude to him just dumping the receipts online about the person in question, kind of like pro Jared did. It's I'm not going to assume that's what's going to happen, but you don't go online and make a long letter about talking to legal counsel and, you know, the harassment against him and his family and all that without something coming out of it at the very least, a, you know, a battery of some form of, you know, paper trail for him because it doesn't sound like this is something that he would do. But again, everyone's human. We're all capable of good and evil. And once people start to realize that, cause clearly everybody thinks everyone's just a cardboard caricature and are, and, and they don't exist outside of the narrow perspective that people have of them. What was that statement? Always never meet your heroes. There's a reason for that because you might find they're actually fucking human. Yeah, look at a good example, My Hero Academia with All Might. When All Might lost his his powers, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alerts. <laughs> when All Might lost his powers and he and he just became a normal dude that was about to die, um everyone lost their fucking minds. <laughs> everyone wants to think their heroes are heroes, but at the very end of the day, look what happened in Injustice with Superman. Even even the heroes are not infallible. So very true. And I think I think when most people really start to give shit to anybody who is in the public eye, they should be scrutinized. So I'm never going to argue with that with that mentality. But what I will press against is this incessant need for them to be on these pedestals that they inevitably will get knocked off. Yep. Like you, you prop these people up and these bands and groups and entities up on these impossible pedestals and you've done them a disservice because you should respect them for the things that they may have done, but you should respect them enough to realize that at the end of the day, they're human. They do human things. They have just the same instincts and lizard brain that you do. They don't cease being that way because they go on TV and do shit. And I, I, if anything from uh, that, I, the people can walk away from this, take everything people do, no matter how popular they are, or respected or, you know, powerful they are and understand that at the end of the day, they're just as mortal and fallible as anybody else. They just have a bit of it. They have, they have something in them that makes them unique and they've managed to find a way to either profit from it or make the world a better place in one way or another. It's no, it's neither good nor bad. It just is. And when people can stop thinking in such fucking black and white terms, people can start to really understand and come to grips with the, the way popularity and that spotlight mentality just goes south. Look at, um, I know prime, prime example. Yes. Yeah. Prime example is, um, watch any interview with Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson he, does a very good job of telling people, these are just characters. I, I'm just an actor. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> 
I respect Samuel L. Jackson not because of not because of his work, but he's a filthy old man and he admits it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like him for his for his flaws. I don't give a fuck about his characters. I mean, I love them. I love the work that he's done across time, but I'm there. These are characters. They're not him. He's not some super villain in, in from glass. He's not a fucking, you know, fro fro bedeviled individual riding in a blood speckled car eating who's on his way to eat a cheeseburger. He's Samuel fucking Jackson. He himself is an entity who should be worthy of respect, not because he was Mace Windu, though that is, in fact, a fun character. I'm not willing to go and and attach some ridiculous level of condition to his existence because he played somebody who is either of a specific stripe or of a specific moral compass. If I'm going to do that, then none of these people exist outside of that uh, that paradigm. And for me, they don't exist until I meet them in real life. So as far as I'm concerned, that's all they are, are just people. Yep. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. That's how I feel about it, too. I know I'm a little ranty tonight, but it's just like the whole thing with Fallon just got me so fucking aggravated. And like, <laughs> and all that stuff is just like, people need to stop. Yeah. Like, oh, so take a moment. The whole reason this Quentin Flynn thing even came up was because I found out that Blizzard was re-released when they're, they're re-releasing Burning Crusade on their classic servers and they replaced him in the voice acting. On top of replacing or adding content to an old game like now like i don't i don't get it like there's like they did a whole bunch of changes and then all this shit came out and we're like what the fuck (laughs) so you don't want to end up with another johnny depp amber her situation and that's what i feel like everything's come down to everything that's happening like the cancel culture is causing like giant ripples of Johnny Depp, Amber Heard all over the place. So supposedly this is all national inquirer shit. This is the same shit that's been happening for the past 50 years. It's just a different flavor of the same fucking ice cream. Yeah, that's true. Very much true. Speaking of our TMC style episode, (laughs) we got some, did we already we already covered Kaplan? No, we didn't cover Kaplan. I guess we could, we should go cover Kaplan. I don't remember who this whole stick. I don't is. know much about it. I I think uh what is it, Lando who posted it? Yeah, anyway, all right, so I'll read the article that I got then, uh from Polygon. Uh Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan leaves Blizzard. Nineteen year old veteran will be replaced by Aaron Keller. Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan is leaving Blizzard Entertainment. The company announced the personnel change on the game's official website Tuesday, naming Aaron Keller Overwatch assistant game director as Kaplan's replacement in the role. Kaplan was frequently the public face of Overwatch, appearing front and center in developer update videos at BlizzCon and at Overwatch League events. Blizzard did not specify why Kaplan was leaving, nor did Kaplan himself in a statement released on the Overwatch website. Here is Kaplan's statement. I am leaving Blizzard Entertainment after 19 years. I am truly, uh, it was truly an honor of a lifetime to have the opportunity to create worlds of hero, worlds and heroes of such a passionate audience for such a passionate audience. God, can't speak right now. Uh, I want to express my deep appreciation to everyone at Blizzard who supported our games, our game team and our players. 
but I want to say a special thanks to the wonderful game developers that shared in the journey of creation with me. Never accept the world as it appears to be. Always dare to see it as see it for what it could be. I hope you do the same. And then Kaplan in his own statement addressed the elephant in the room that Kaplan is leaving in the midst of Overwatch 2's development. Development on the sequel is continuing at a good pace, Keller said, and he promised more updates soon. Here's more of a statement. I also recognize that making games at Blizzard has always been a group effort and never about just one point of view. Together with the rest of the team, I feel fortunate that we have a deep bench of development and creative leaders, numerous veteran Blizzard artists and designers, and some extremely talented new blood as well. Along with tons of support throughout the company for the, uh, the live game, and the Overwatch 2, and for Overwatch 2. Speaking of Overwatch 2's development and a continuous, a continuing at a good pace, we have an exceptional vision we're executing on. The reaction from many of you to the updates we shared at BlizzCon thrilled us, and we have exciting reveals planned for this year and beyond as we ramp to launch. We'll be sharing more frequent updates about Overwatch 2's progress and features in a live game in the live game with you all very soon. Blizzard showed off the new gameplay and update designs for this, for some of the hero roster for Overwatch 2 at BlizzCon in February. The sequel will still is still many months off, however, as parent company Activision Blizzard said earlier this year not to expect Overwatch 2 to ship in 2021. I have to say, though, Blizzard has been really good about their releases. They've very rarely, other than the whole Warcraft debacle, Warcraft three debacle, like they've been really good about their releases and staying like consistent with their fans. I agree. And as much as we shit on them, they do do some good stuff. So yeah, um, he left blizzard Nobody knows why. I'm assuming it was he was probably making. <laughs> this is speculation. The tinfoil hat time. He's probably making too much money, and they were like, "We can continue without him," because <laughs> you know Blizzard's been cutting jobs left and right. Or, or hear me out. He went to a different development company and is working on another project that he can't talk about yet, which would be kind of exciting. So. I agree. Would be kind of exciting. <clears throat> yep. So that's the news there. I thought there was more of that. I don't know why I tied him in with the fucking um Kalthas sex allegation thing. So <laughs> for some reason I thought about that. <laughs> All right. You ready for this one? You know it. Okay. So um if people haven't figured this out yet or haven't heard about this, um Twitch a couple years ago had some issues. Um, that's when they started to like ban people and stuff like that. So there's a guy named Phantom Lord and he was one of like the ninja signings. So ninja signed Phantom Lord was a big counter-strike guy. He got signed. Um, they signed contracts with a bunch of big streamers to keep them on the platform basically. Well, Phantom Lord did some, sh- uh, some sh- shady shit. As I say a bunch of S's into the microphone, did a bunch of shady shit and 
some lawsuits came out of it and he eventually got a ban. So back in February 20th of 2018, so this is two years, three years ago, controversial Counter-Strike streamer Phantom Lord sues Twitch over skin gambling ban. Counter-Strike global offensive streamer James Phantom Lord Varga uh, was kicked off of Twitch in 2016. Oh shit, this is even longer than that. That was what, five years ago? Yeah. For allegedly failing to disclose ownership of his site he promoted online. It's suing the platform that made him famous. Um, As reported by gaming and esports website Polygon, Varga filed a complaint on Wednesday in San Francisco's Superior Court of California claiming monetary damages from Twitch for the deletion of his account, which was an online... uh, He was an online celebrity with almost 1 million followers and 16,000 subscribers on his channel when Twitch pulled the plug. Following an expose an expose of his activities by gaming journalist Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis had received a dossier uh, from an unnamed hacker, which appeared almost to a degree of certainty, according to Lewis, to prove that Varga was the owner of CSGO Shuffle, a roulette-style skin gambling site he he promoted to his followers by by betting in real time through his live stream. The guy was running gambling illegal gambling through his through twitch he could i'm surprised the dude didn't get fucking um didn't get put in jail for that shit like gambling's a huge thing anyway uh results manipulated meanwhile a cache of 20,000 hacked skype messages between varga and duhua joris a programmer at csgo shuffle uh were damning they revealed Varga had asked to be sent the results of spins before they happened. It's a, it strongly suggested that payouts were being rigged for Varga's streams to make skin gambling appear more attractive to his followers. On top of that, wrote Lewis, he was gambling exclusively with house money taken from the business. Uh, he, he has also held meetings with others with other betting sites to discuss methodology. Also, he had asked Joris the site coder for percentage of roles to increase his outcome of winning and or losing as he wants to appropriately, he wants to do appropriately for his own personal gain. But Vargas suit filed almost 600 days after the event claims his contract with Twitch required a written explanation of termination, something he says never occurred. He also claims that he was permitted to broadcast the very content that they later use as an excuse to illegally terminate his contract. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, this plays out later on. So anyway, the skin betting scandal allegations against Varga came at the height of the skin betting scandal. When regulators and politicians suddenly became aware of the, uh, clandestine multi-billion dollar online gambling industry that had grown around the trading of CSGO skins. Holy shit. So they did. So somebody looked into it. These are collectible in-game develop uh, designer weapons whose varying rarity and ability to be transferred to third-party sites transform them into a de facto cryptocurrency uh, that could be used by children for gambling. In 2016, facing lawsuits accusing it of promoting underage gambling, CSGO developer Valve removed to moved to shut down the third-party gambling sites that had been feeding off its in-game economy, accusing them of violating the, inter- uh, the terms of conditions. 
one of those sites was CSGO Shuffle. Okay, so Valve actually jumped in. Fantastic. This was this article is back from 2018. So was it today or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Yesterday, Fanlord puts on Twitter, I won. I won my lawsuit versus Twitch on all counts. Twitch lost everything, including the fraud claim against me for the CSGO shuffle allegations. This is a win for all streamers. Twitch can't bully, lie, or treat streamers unfairly the way they have for years. What? <laughs> so anyway, uh, James Fanlord Varga reportedly won his lawsuit against Twitch on Friday with the court siding in Varga's favor on all counts. The court listed against Twitch in the original complaint included breach of contract intentional misrepresentation and violation of section 17200 of the business and professions code among others. None of those say anything about the fraud claim against him. None of that. Maybe the intentional misrepresentation. But Twitch, be shocked that but, happened. but Twitch didn't come out and say that's why they banned him. Twitch just banned him. So how did Twitch misrepresent him? I don't know. The lawsuit was filed two years ago on February 14th, 2018 in the County of San Francisco court. In the suit, Varga alleged that Twitch failed to provide formal explanation for the ban that Twitch issued Varga in 2016. Varga was seeking $35 million in damages initially um, and while the amount of money that he won in the suit has not been released publicly, Twitch reporter Zach Busey claimed that Varga won just over $20,000. <laughs> Twitch just lost a lawsuit. Uh, breach of contract with James Phantom Lord Varga. Total damage is awarded $20,720.34. <laughs> Oh my god, Varga was suspended from Twitch in 2016 after Twitch alleged that Varga used the CSGO skin gambling site CSGO Shuffle to scam Twitch users by controlling and betting percentages. Okay, so I guess they did say something about that. And other back-end aspects of the site, Twitch also argued in their 2018 counter-complaint against Varga that he violated their content guidelines against adult-oriented products and services by producing gambling content. I mean, it's still gambling content. That's what it is. And that they had warned him of possible penalties multiple times to lead up to the ban. Okay, well, I don't see how the court... The court must have come to some other... If he was looking for $35 million and only got $20,000, uh, I doubt the court... I think the court had something that they found something. Varga responded to his ban by filing a lawsuit in which he claimed that Twitch uh, indefinitely suspended his account without the explanation prior written notice of any opportunity or any opportunity for Varga to cure any perceived violations of his obligations. He further alleged that Twitch went on to change the explanation of the ban several times. Today, the court ruled in favor of the streamer, agreeing that the Twitch violated the law and breached his contract with Varga, awarding him nearly $21,000. Melian are hailing the court victory as a win for streamers everywhere since it has the potential to set a precedent that Twitch is required to clearly explain why someone was banned from their platform. Unexplained Twitch bans have been an ongoing problem with Twitch's community for some time. Many are hoping that today's decision will force Twitch to finally communicate reasons for the ban clearly or risk legal consequences. 
I don't see a problem with it. I think if you're banning someone from your platform, you should give them a reason. Twitch, uh, Twitter, Facebook, any of those. You should be given a, a full explanation on what happened. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And especially with the Dr. Disrespect stuff that happened uh, last year, I believe it was. Like, they gave him no reason, and he still, to this day, really has no idea why they banned him. Right. So I mean, that definitely is a positive. They That means that they actually have to be accountable for that shit. He's doing fine <clears throat> on Facebook. Not Facebook. Yeah. YouTube. Sorry. But the time to transfer over is money wasted, in my opinion. And who knows, after they banned him, if they even paid him out what he was owed. Um, I don't know. I, I don't speculate on that kind of shit because without being in the room when that whole thing went down, there's, I have no idea. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's just crazy, man. Like you'd set up a, a literally a head ties to an online gambling site. Got the site that he was with valve went after lawmakers went after and looked into it. Like, that's fucked up. Like that's proof that you did this. <laughs> and then, I mean, obviously from 35 million to 20,000, the, the court found something they had to have found something. And the 20,000, no the 20,000 could legit be just from his subs that he had from the time to the end of the year type thing or till the end of his contract. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't see this as a huge win. If it's a win that they have to tell you why they're banning you, then okay, cool. Um, that's a good thing. But if this has to do with fucking CSGO shuffle and fucking online gambling through these sites, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a win. Like, that's not okay that for you should you could be doing that. Especially when when children are involved, this the whole this is like a whole loot box situation. He was literally opening loot boxes and then betting on like equipment and then selling that equipment. It's loot box. It's full blown fucking loot box gambling. That's what this is. <clears throat> I hate loot boxes. I hate them so I hate much. I hate the too, but like the precedent set is a positive thing, even if it's because of a nefarious individual. So I'm going to look at this. I'm going to silver lining this and let everything else that's played out with him, aside from the 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 Twitch nonsense. Yeah. Let that just engulf him and deal with that kind of shit because obviously it's. It is what it is. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. I don't know. The um, I I shit talk loot boxes, but then I play arena and I'll buy packs on arena. And that's basically loot boxes. But OK, no, it's a little different. I get I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. It's fucking loot boxes. There's no way around it. That's fucking loot boxes. I still don't like it. <laughs> But you have ways of getting codes outside of the game to use in-game. So it's not really a loot box, per se, I guess. I don't know. 
Oh well. Such is life. Like the old Italians say, such is life. <laughs> or French. Was it C'est la vie? Is that what it is? Sure, we'll go with it. Yeah, sure. We can go with that. Uh, okay, do you want to talk about Harmony Gold and close off the show with this? I don't know. Yeah. You guys do the, all the Harmony Gold stuff. I just watch anime. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, that's all we can hope for for you. So <laughs> the the Harmony Gold thing was, and this is kind of a retraction of the something we talked about in March. Um, apparently, Harmony Gold managed to work out a deal with the Japanese uh, company that owned Macross, the Macross franchise, and they still have rights over to it. But the positive of this is is that there is now crossover that is occurring, but through their contractual agreement and everything that, uh, that company owns can now come across into the United States. Uh, so all the Macross properties, uh, I don't know all the names of it cause I'm not, a, I'm not a big Robotech mythos individual, yeah, I don't know um, or Macross, I guess would be the better word. Cause Robotech is the English, the, the English version <laughs> and vice versa. So Robotech stuff can come to Japan. Which opens the door for a lot of opportunity for uh, translations and things from from the Macross universe to actually come in and actually have a presence in the market alongside the Robotech stuff. Now, what that ends up doing for doing with Harmony Gold is a separate headache, but it's good news because it allows a lot of people who maybe had to go out of their way to get into the Macross uh, franchise. They won't have to reach so far in now. And maybe that'll help you know, mitigate a lot of the bad blood that Harmony Gold's been building up for the past 30 plus years. Hey. So that's my thing with it. I'm sure, I'm sure Orlando would have more to talk about it, but that's all I know about it. <clears throat> hey, I mean, that's good. Cause we were originally worried that they were going to kill the franchise and here they are not killing the franchise. So there you go. Yeah, always a good thing. All right. That is all of our topics for today. I don't really have anything else to say other than thank you for listening and catch us on the social medias, especially pay attention for that blog post because I will try to have it up within the week. So you obviously after you guys hear this episode, if you hear it early in the week, um, Facebook, angry Wargamer podcast, find us on there, go like us. Uh, the affiliate link is in there and our merch link is somewhere on that page. If you're interested in a t-shirt, catch me on Twitter, angry Wargamer. Um, the links are also there. Drew is at punk toast on Twitter and Lando is Ragnarok Knight on Twitter. And remember, stay sexy and go fuck yourselves.